Welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast, a place where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversations. My name is Manoj, your host, and now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rare Earth Podcast, where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversations. And this is my first ever two guest episode. I have the co-founders of Ultraviolet Automotive. Narayan Subramanyam who is the CEO and Neeraj Rajmohan who is the CTO. This company founded in 2016 specializes in sustainable mobility and energy infrastructure. Soon they will be launching their first ever electric motorbike which is F77 in India. If you have to really have a glimpse of this bike go to their website Ultraviolet Automotive to have a look of it. It's a stunning beautiful bike. we explore how they went through their initial steps of actually starting out with a prototype their lessons they learned initially how getting feedback from others were immensely valuable and how there were few key learnings while pitching to vcs investors in the earlier days according to them creating something unconventional one must relentlessly look around with as many perspectives as possible they both are constantly looking for new ideas from multidisciplinary approach In this fascinating conversation you will discover how Neeraj is an avid reader and explorer of ideas whereas Narayan is passionate about creativity and fitness how both of them complement each other with these cross skills Neeraj and Narayan both obviously possess immense technical skills but they also have the intellectual curiosity and drive to do some really interesting work this conversation will showcase how incredibly thoughtful and hard working they both are I hope you have as much fun as I had on this conversation. So please enjoy my wide-ranging, my deep conversation with the founders of Ultraviolet Automotive, Neeraj and Narayan. All right, guys. So uh, welcome to the show, uh, Narayan and Neeraj, the co-founders of Ultraviolet. Yeah, I'm Manoj. Glad to finally connect and get on the show as well. Yes, happy to be here. Yeah so Narayan is the uh, CEO and uh, Neeraj is the CTO for the people who are listening and uh, they are working on a very cool project something which we will not dive in too much in today's conversation because I'm going to expect my listeners to check out the website but you guys are working on uh, a very uh, disruptive uh, very cool and sexy product called F77 which is going to completely redefine the way uh, people perceive about electric transportation so Uh, you guys want to share a little bit about what is the company all about and what you guys up to i think you said all the right things about what <laughs> we're trying to do <laughs> but yeah that's pretty much the problem we are trying to solve as well right from day one right the root of the problem is not belief in technology but can electric be desirable and for a market like ours right where everything is an emotional purchase everything is a pride of ownership based uh, decision it's important that not only the technology is capable of outperforming what we have out there on the roads today but is also more desirable than current options hmm. true yeah that's one part of what we set out to solve so ultraviolet is it's over 5 years or it's 4 plus years right now yeah so we've spent i think the first year went into more of it's been about 4 years Okay. And over the first year I think we spent a lot of time researching various ideas and exploring different opportunities before finally narrowing down on what we really wanted to work on. And since then it's been roughly 3 years and there's been an in- immense amount of progress on what we've been doing since then. 
Yes, I think um, I, I heard about your company and I heard about Narayan actually from Devrat uh, Ninja Dev, who has been one of my past guests. So he mentioned uh, about your company and what you guys are up to. And when I checked out about Ultraviolet, it was so impressive. And speaking about your website, so I want to start with a little unusual question. So I actually went to your website, which is super awesome, beautifully done. So you have a section, which is the FAQ section. So there is one question which was asked, you know, uh, can I ride the vehicle in rains or in floods? And the answer to that was yes. Yes, you can also uh, uh, use it as a boat. So I found that like super interesting. Who, who came up with that kind of a sense of humor to the website and FAQ for such a premium product? You know, like, so I'm curious about that. I think a lot of that is Neeraj. <laughs> Though we, I, th- I think most of it was done by the two of us along with our marketing team. But yeah, I think that particular question, I would say, uh, was Neeraj. Yeah, so I think what is happening back then is that we were getting lots of these questions. Yeah. And so- some of them were a little silly in the sense that obviously we have considered this. We are like building for an Indian market. In some certain situations, roads are going to be flooded. So we thought, okay, rather than answer it in a straightforward way, (laughs) let's push it in terms of what is possible and uh, just give out an answer that will, you know, satisfy it once and for all. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was brilliant. I think, I think people listening, you must just definitely check out the FAQ section of the website. It's pretty neat. (laughs) So today you both are doing some amazing work actually in the startup space and, um, also, you guys are actually in the leadership position, Narayan, you being a CEO and uh, Neeraj, you being the CTO. Uh, so could you please share typically uh, what is that specific roles that Narayan, each one you? of you are doing? Yeah, I think Maybe first part with... of that uh, answer could be common to both of us where these are just titles because they need to be. Yeah. I think there's severe overlap between what each of us do and uh, also coordinate in terms of activities with the company with regard to the current project, with regard to other business opportunities and upcoming future-oriented work as well. And me specifically, my background is I'm a creative person, did my mechanical engineering. This was, I think, 2004 to 2008. And for lack of uh, awareness of a creative industry back then, growing up uh, in Bangalore, got into engineering, not very sure of what I'd want to become later on. but. I'd always been breaking and building things at home uh, with by myself and with some friends all along through my childhood. And so I knew for a fact I was creatively inclined. So the choices were between architecture and mech at that point. And uh, I think back then, my parents had a negative impression about architecture kids. <laughs> and uh, very subtly hinted mechanical might be a better <laughs> option. Right? So anyway, got into mech. And... I think through four years of engineering, Neeraj and me, I think we can get into that in more detail moving further along. Sure. Several projects, creative projects of building very cool vehicles, robots, etc. Winning multiple competitions. And I think towards the end of engineering is when I figured I do not want to be doing something mainstream. Rather, uh, look at something more creative. And went to NID for my master's in automobile design. And uh, went to Sweden for a second master's. So I come from a creative design, engineering, sort of back problem solving background. And uh, that's work-wise in terms of uh, technically, that's a lot of what I do at the company itself. And I think both Neeraj and I share that creativity as part of our DNA, no matter what project we're working on. I think that's why we work well together. Mm. 
and uh, yeah with regard to the teams it's more of the user experience the problem solving on the design uh, engineering side coordinating activities across teams this is i think usual day to day activity for me apart from our usual other work on the business side that takes up disproportionate amount of time so <laughs> neeraj you want to say something yeah. Yeah, sure. I for me, I think it started out as a very sort of strong technical role in terms of engineering, product management, and that is where that is where my previous experience also came from. And as the company has grown over the last four years, what has happened is that it typically becomes a combination of okay, the things that we are good at, and the things that there isn't anyone else to deal with. So. if there is no one else to deal with the problem it usually comes up to both of us and whether that's finance related or some external facing requirement or a legal uh, requirement or anything of that nature it finally falls and comes down to one of us having to take it up or both of us having to take it up yeah right? yeah but there are things that uh, we love to do and from my perspective what i love doing is building the technology and it may be something that is cutting edge in terms of it being used in very few places around the world and trying to bring that and make that available in a meaningful and cost effective manner to to everyone mm-hmm. and that is essentially what we're doing it's we have seen this technology in very high end vehicles or premium vehicles or in military applications or in uh, space technology or anywhere else and we're trying to apply that and bring all of this electronics and uh, these uh, electrical systems to make it happen. Yep, that I think it's a very generic definition in terms yeah. of what we do, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and you both have uh, known each other for quite some time. You both are uh, you go way back to the school days and college days and it's been how many years that you guys know each other? I think over two decades. Wow, okay. <laughs> how old are you guys now? We <laughs> <laughs> were in our early 30s, so Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm curious where did you guys so uh, Neeraj and uh, Neeraj or um, Narayan where did you guys meet each other first? Take me to the back so story. So we are we have actually known each other since school, right? So we were in the same class since I think 5th grade or 6th grade. Wow. And uh, <laughs> we used to back then compete for the first place. Mm. And we after our school days we ended up in the same engineering college also. the same engineering university i had taken up uh, information science and engineering and narayan had taken up mechanical engineering and that's where we actually started working together in terms of projects and the standard curriculum was of course there for all of us but there was more interest in pursuing these other directions and yeah so that's where it actually all started together there were very stressful situations and where we would have to try and solve a problem in a very creative way and we used to take part in these competitions we won about i think 30 or 40 competitions across the country wow where it involved building different kinds of robots or boats cars planes drones of various of of different types meant to solve a particular type of problem and that's where we first came together to even build a cross disciplinary team where it would be a mechanical engineer an electrical engineer mm-hmm. or engineers to be we weren't engineers back then but we got the hang of you know we sort of realized that we are good at it also because over a period of time what happened was wherever we would go and go and participate in some event it was very likely that we'd win the first place or not win anything at all and <laughs> that would there was only a binary outcome in that sense 
so we started to double down on what we were really good at and over over the 3 4 years it just became that we would walk in there and everyone else knew that we would win that event because we just our existence there there was some serious competition for the others mm. so i don't know how that happened but it was just so that i think the skills were coming together and the way of working together was pretty good in that sense and this was a really big adrenaline rush for us Mm. in the sense we don't know the end outcome when we start mm. and that made it super interesting of there was whether some of the major events had a 3 4 month timeline for us to prepare and build something and go take part in the event there mm. were a few other events which were like a one day junkyard wars sort of event you would have watched that on discovery you have a lot of junk and you put them together mm. create something out of nothing so we would spend i think easily 60 70% of our time brainstorming and then narrow down to one one idea and just like quickly make it happen mm. so it'll be like halfway through the day and then everyone else nearly done and we're still like scratching our heads and <laughs> like figuring out what way to go about it and these were some really interesting uh, project briefs for instance things like from a junkyard the mm. topic could be that there are two points a and b which is a physical distance given between them and here's some raw material build a sort of bridge connecting the two points and it's very simple the bridge that withstands the highest load at the end of the day wins hmm. and i think that was one of the first events we took part in and i think the second place and we were like nearly out of time because we thought and thought and finally got down to executing when was this and This was, I think, two thousand five. Okay, this is in your college years. Yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. was during engineering. Okay. And uh, yeah, so by then judging had started, and I think a winner had tentatively been announced, and that bridge could take about five kgs or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're like, hey guys, we sorry, last minute, we just finished, blah blah, and then, and we were at some fifteen kgs. <laughs> right. So. I think that was really memorable because that was the first one. Then we went on to solve a lot of complex, complicated things, build aircraft. So things like non-powered flight, which aircraft could fly the maximum amount of time without crashing, mm-hmm. or amphibious vehicles. So the circuit for the race was: you start on land, you climb a ramp, you fall a height of ten meters. Sorry, one like about a couple of meters. Mm. Vehicle should not be destroyed. It continues on its own to the pool gets into the water unassisted completes a course on water gets back onto land opens a couple of spring loaded doors and the spring tension is mentioned before and itself wow. and so these are super complex things that i think the sort of things we used to contraptions we used to build was also very different and it was evident that it would like neeraj mentioned outright Mm. kill everyone or it's like all going down in flames <laughs> yeah so that's the zero or one approach that you were speaking about previous talk exactly okay. yeah okay. exactly so when we typically look at two friends going back to the college days or, or typically when you see a sense of competitiveness both of them coming together and working on something common something to which is like a a, a visionary goal is not very easy mix that we do not see that very easily like it's not very common how come even though you both were competitive in your own ways you guys decided to collaborate with each other how were you complementing each other in the same work 
See, back then, I think it was constructive competition. You only feel good when you achieve something where you've just about managed to beat someone else or something like that. So I'm sure it was back and forth, the same sort of emotion for the two of us. So it was not anything negative. So we were friends mm-hmm. back then also. Mm-hmm. So when it was not exam time, we were chilling in each other's houses, breaking things apart, doing things together and stuff like that. Both of your parents have been uh, uh, extremely supportive when you guys were actually disrupting things and figuring out things and doing all the engineering <laughs> gigs. They, uh, I would say, yeah, very much. I think some of it required some um, financial assistance also, I think. But we built that um, trust in them also. We won multiple things. So the moment we wanted to take part in something a little larger that required more, slightly more capital or support from their side to prepare for. Hmm. I think they were also confident that. And back then, I think, personally, my parents were only concerned that my son should not get into drugs and drink his life away. <laughs> so so they, they were more than happy to, you know, like extend support in whatever was on these lines. So what was it for you? No, it's pretty similar. I think the other part that helped was that we were academically doing quite well. Mm. And I think there were no doubts and concerns that we could follow the traditional path as well. right? Mm. And even after engineering, we actually went our separate ways. We went and we worked in traditional companies. We spent a few years and did our time there. And after that point, when we decided to take that big leap, right? It was comfortable for everyone knowing that, okay, if their need is there to actually go back and get a job, that is not going to be too hard for either of us, Mm. right? So my parents were very supportive all along and they saw that. And actually, it's not the first time that I tried to start a company and do something by myself. They had seen me go through that. They were worried that that's a lot of stress. It is a lot of, it It takes up your mind space, right? So mm. you're not really free to do other things. Mm. So they were aware of that, but they've always been supportive uh, all along. And I think that the very fact that there is a place that I can come back to and there's always food available, I have a bed to sleep. <laughs> and the requirement for a salary not being there, it, it, that has set the foundation for everything that I have done. Mm. And uh, it's that's why this is the third or fourth time I'm doing this, right? Starting a company. And it's actually a big leap, right? When you have a secure job, when you're earning a good amount of money, to say that from the next month onwards, I am not going to take that salary. You may not notice it for the first month, but yeah. if you're in the sixth month or the 10th month, it starts pinching you. Yeah. Yes. So they've been supportive. And as long as you have a place to stay and to eat and there's family support when you're going through some like, Trauma, I think right. you can always recover from there. Your startup story goes back to starting from a, a 10 by 10 square feet room in Bangalore. And, yeah. and I know that you guys um, personally invested your own money, your personal savings to really uh, kickstart. So I, I have two questions to ask. One is, could you share how that whole you know uh, journey was uh, when you were starting from that space? And why did you really feel it was important to have an office space? You could have done from your homes or you had a very supportive setup at the house. So why did you choose to go out and, you know, rent a small space? So I think at that point, I had uh, come down to India. This was nearly 2015. Mm. And Neeraj and I had been discussing a lot of ideas for a couple of years. We were always in touch. And it seemed like EVs was a good thing to invest time and effort on. Uh, for my listeners, they need to know what is EV. 
electric vehicles <laughs> <laughs> we may not have the most most techy yeah, uh, you know sure, listeners sure. yeah <laughs> cool i'll get into the factors as to why it was the right time or why we felt it was the right time a little later sure. yeah. but this was interesting for both of us given our backgrounds and skill sets and all of that and uh, yeah so you're right the first place was a room on a terrace in koramangalam yeah <laughs> uh, do you know the i don't know if it's still there the corner house in seventh floor i must have one gone past but i i wouldn't okay. recognize yeah it's in one of the tiny lanes leading uh, from that place and uh, so that's the only place we could afford at that point considering we weren't really earning what was the rental then about 6500 hmm. for a room hmm. right and uh, so second thing as to why we had to rent a place and not uh, work from home mainly i think it just made it seem more formal like <laughs> like you you've jumped off the cliff figure out how to fly and yeah and we had a couple of other people on the team as well hmm. so logistically also made things a little simpler i think you might think of work the same way at home or at work depending on uh, your personality hmm. but i think for the others it's important to feel it's a more professional setup than going to someone's house and No, and I think, yeah. And to add to that, I think the very fact that you are leaving home, going somewhere else, and then at the end of the day, you are coming back. Hmm. You are you try to leave aside whatever mental baggage that you have, and you come back home. Otherwise, what happens? So I've done this also before, where I've started out of home, and what happens is you're spending your entire day in one place, hmm. and you're mentally stuck in that loop. no matter what happens when you go to bed you're still thinking about work and the next morning you get out of bed and you're in your workplace so it is actually difficult and i've seen that happen with some of my co- previous uh, co-founders as well and his house at one point was the office and for me it would be just fine like i would go there and come back home right but i could see him mentally struggling to deal with the fact that everything in his life has now become around work mm-hmm. Yeah that's a very interesting uh, perspective because it may it is necessary that you really disengage some time to really engage back strongly and you could really uh, you know benefit from just staying away from that thought process so that's true that's true yeah 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 uh, and you guys have also had mentioned in one of the i think this was the insta live that you know, initially a lot of things you guys did quick and dirty what do you mean by that i think fundamentally it's about at some point stop thinking and your mind alone you might not be able to solve the problem 100% you might have a direction as to how to go about it could be a technical problem could be some sort of data that is not available to you at that moment but once you start acting upon it is when the sort of puzzle completes right yeah and i think the whole point is that you are working on and acting with incomplete information mm-hmm. but and you will never have that complete information let's say that you want to build a prototype of something it could have been an early vehicle for us hmm. now one way to go about doing it is the way that we do it now which is we have an entire team we have simulation engineers you have uh, mechanical engineering design that goes in you do every kind of simulation analysis thermal electrical structural and then you come up with a final result and you say it's a go or a no go now when you don't have that those kind of resources or when you're operating in a very gray area 
it may not make sense to accumulate all of the problems hmm. and then to try to solve them all at once so it's okay you you may not be able to achieve 100% of the problem you know solution but is there something that you can build that will validate that you're in the right direction hmm. right? at least it will build that, some kind of a momentum uh, to your project yeah. yes hmm. yes so we've done this on numerous occasions whether it's vehicles the, the, part of building the company itself is that right mm. so you don't have all the skill sets you don't have all the resources you're operating with uh, insufficient information insufficient uh, knowledge of the external world of competition right so you're always making a claim and building on that claim and you're building a hypothesis and trying to validate that mm. am i am i doing the right thing here Hmm. and obviously part of this means that when you take a decision if it goes south right you have taken a decision with incomplete information and it went south because you did not know everything you should still be in a position to recover from that failure how comfortable have you guys become with the process of taking action regardless of having the full information how comfortable have you guys become with that i think we're super comfortable with that we just gotten a little uh, smarter as to taking more uh, educated calls on things but yeah i think that's something that's always excited us on of solving a problem where you don't have all data and i think over time what has also happened is that we've gotten used to that feeling of uncertainty mm-hmm. where you wake up in the morning and you're slightly stressed out and you end the day and you're still stressed out <laughs> and this goes on for weeks or months and the only way to get past it is okay just go through it there is only one way and it's to go through it i think a, a lot of brilliant talent uh, or people with some great ideas could get paralyzed with the with thought process that they really need to have all the information before they start so what you're saying is this is a normal process you must actually embrace the uncertainty and anyway take the step right if you have too much information then you're already too late to the party mm-hmm. like the idea is already a little obsolete by then right What do you mean? What do you mean by too much information means too late to party? Could you explain that? That means a lot of other people also have access to the same information, hmm. and your skill is not really the ability to complete the picture with parts of it missing. Hmm. But there's a lot of people doing that. But I think what excites us is to stretch that extra mile and. look at avenues or areas where like evs itself 5 years back mm. at that point there was a lot of doubt as to is it fuels hydrogen fuel cells is it petrol prices is it going to be sustainable for the foreseeable future and um, i think a lot of companies who had um, tried to get into electric vehicles took a shortcut approach until tesla sort of changed that um, whole r&d space innovation in r&d mm. so a lot of damage had been done to what electric vehicles could be or is the world even ready to transition to evs mm-hmm. yeah so at a very fundamental level it was a call of us spending say the foreseeable future of our lives by taking a call where at that point it was not yet clear to the whole world whether mm. it's going to sustain and see the thing is that by the time the information becomes readily available like complete information becomes readily available you may not have all of the resources or more resources than someone else to execute on that you may always be at some disadvantaged position mm-hmm. right like a large company with all of the resources in the world 
and now with all the information we'll do the same thing mm. right what benefit have you brought to the table at that point mm. by starting early by making a claim and staying alive you have that advantage that you've built something that no one else has correct you have the edge uh, compared to, to compared to your competition so yeah true yes yes and so i'm curious about your uh, you know initial days and initial experience when you really had this idea and you guys were frozen that this is what we're going to go ahead and build your initial experience of pitching to vcs and investors and how, how was that any interesting stories that you want to share <laughs> i think we have lots of interesting <laughs> stories uh, we've done that like hundreds of times and there are lots of nice things and not so nice things that we have to say about people but we won't get into those i think the early part for us had less to do with actually investors though it had more to do with learning to solve some particular problem just to give you an example when we started building our first electric vehicle i had never built an electric vehicle before that and neither had narayan we've done something in a different scale a smaller scale or uh, in some other area but we needed to know enough to make sense out of it we needed to get the fundamentals which meant going back to physics books physics textbooks understanding how the the math around it works making certain estimates on batteries understanding the geometry the again it goes back to mechanical engineering physics electronics and it meant relearning a lot of the things that we had covered at some point in our past it wasn't ever part of our curriculum mm. it meant a lot of reading on the internet talking to experts and while talking to experts you realize that people tell you that you're wrong and that actually helps mm. because it sets you on the right path as well mm. right and it gives a sense of the language that you would use to speak to other people and it being wrong in that sense helps you fast track learning it's nothing to be get offended about things like that so when we would talk to experts and people with phd's and going to some of these large universities we would spend time talking to people we would get this reaction which is no you're not going to be able to pull this off you guys don't have the requisite skills or something of that sort and we would come back learn from that experience figure out a way to solve that problem in a small way and build something and over time we started doing this we would build actual vehicles we started to see that this is realizable and that actually got the interest of investors it wasn't that we went out of our way to pitch it and with a with just a presentation or things like that really works it was more of an inbound interest for us and since then it's yeah it's been going on in in a way that we validate something and there's interest from the world i think that is a good model that works for us i think a common line of thought that we came across from a lot of people from say maybe the investor community or some of the experts who spoken to in terms of feedback was apart from the the technical part aside there was a lot of uh, apprehension of what are what's a small group of people going to do that say companies of 5 10000 people are mm. not going to be able to pull off mm. and uh, this is something i think neeraj and i internally had a strong belief on so i've worked in companies in india and europe so with neeraj he worked in the us worked here so i think we were very clear that the larger a company is i think the harder it is to make an abrupt transition mm. in terms of what the dna of the company has been built up over the last few years or what their estimated uh, trajectory was for the foreseeable future and i think a lot of these companies also EVs have always been on the horizon 
but since there is so much history of ic engine development it is not such a overnight shift that it's possible for the larger companies to take a stand towards okay i'm going to electrify half my fleet or 100% mm-hmm. of my fleet and when i say overnight that overnight could be 3 years to 5 years to 7 years mm. yeah so and that is where people like us have an edge of creating technology where still i would say it's a common playing field at this point mm. not lots of room to innovate on various aspects in the entire electric vehicle ecosystem from product to energy to the whole way that things could scale up yeah that's interesting so you were in your speaking about bringing in a change or if there is a new moment of discovery or realization then you could re- instantly make a course correction as compared to large organization true, where true yeah okay, okay absolutely and between you both who was more of a, a presenter in the investor meeting or in any vc meeting <laughs> who is a better storyteller i think it's both of us <laughs> we've uh, we've i think taken most important meetings together and been there for all important events and shared responsibility equally so mm. for so, some reason one of us is not there i think it doesn't really affect the way the meeting would go but wherever possible we both are mm. i i think over time what has happened over hundreds of these meetings it is that we are able to convey a very well thought out story where one person is talking and then another person brings in another angle to it and it just weaves a very more detailed intricate story and it also talks about our plans while bringing in all of the different perspectives over time we've learned to complete each other's sentences in that sense mm. and it helps if one person missing out on one topic to cover uh, that topic and things like that so i would say that I, it's not like a one person and it also d- means that it's not a monologue just by one person yeah, which yeah, yeah, definitely sure. helps yeah sure i'm curious about when you actually got the first investor or first person who actually showed faith in what you guys are up to and so what was that feeling and what happened that day like what changed so that that feeling was it wasn't one day right these conversations don't close in one day yeah so that i think it's a very misplaced uh, representation of meeting happened deal done oh let's go <laughs> celebrate it that moment spans over say 3 months Ah, okay. yeah. at the time someone expresses interest to finally saying guys let's do this that is an optimistic yeah, and... timeline is about 3 months <laughs> yes and that also involves legal documents where there's back and forth there are terms that there is terms that you don't want to negotiate on and there are terms that the other person would not want to negotiate on mm. and then so you think that okay is this deal going to fall apart so there are so many instances of this where you are still living in uncertainty whether there needs to be optimism otherwise it won't happen mm. but at the same time there is doubt on whether this will actually work out and finally when it does it's a good moment when you've signed the papers and when uh, you know you receive the check or the funding in the bank that is a yeah, good it's, moment it's a good moment but it's not what it would have been if it was if it closed on one day that acceleration is very different that's really nice to know like you reveal the behind the scenes by telling it's not like a one moment where they sign the check yeah, yeah you're the one we are, i was looking for and <laughs> uh, yeah the i think the feeling yeah yeah is more like you're just relieved that it happened <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so by the time it's all through you're like ha huh, okay it's about time let's now let's get back to work whatever you know yeah. i was spending now time to fast track 
But it's incredible to see that you guys had this this persistence in you to really continue because obviously you had a faith in the product that you guys were working in. But even though you didn't get any instant, you know, validation or confirmation from investors, how did you really have that zeal in it to continue with it? At any point, you felt like quitting, or is this working? Are we really wasting our youth chasing a dream which is not going to be fulfilled? Did you have that moment? Yeah, absolutely not. There were, of course, very tense moments and uh, things where things are getting really tight and you're like super stressed. But it never ever felt like wish I was in a comfortable situation or doing some other job. I don't know. I don't know the. Might not be able to explain the logic behind it, but at least for me, never felt that way. And I'm sure for Neeraj as well because we've been through a lot of these stressful things. together and uh, yeah 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 i think to add to that what also happens is that uh when there are multiple co-founders right and there are complementary skill sets and complementary ways of solving the problem it usually ends up being that if one person is very stressed out the other person still come and that really works well and that i think is difficult for a solo co-founder to do so in certain situations where you know like i am very stressed out narayan's very calm or very few instances where he is stressed out and i am in a calm situation but over time what tends to happen is that you are not making irrational decisions you are always being rational as a group as a team and over time you pull each other along even if at some point you are hesitant you are anxious you are worried it's okay just wake up next morning do what you have to do whether things work out or not we'll see that at the end of the day mm. and that goes on for another day and another day and that goes on for months together and finally when you know there is some hint of validation from the external world it is worth it mm. right it is worth it it is worth all that pain that you have been through for the last x months mm. and it's happened so many times now that over a period of time you start to build confidence in your own abilities that there is no reason to be anxious of course no one's going to validate what you're doing for a long time but that doesn't mean you're wrong or that doesn't mean you're off track the yeah. one thing we did right though was we were very clear from the start that we do not even engage in any sort of conversations with people for capital or investors with just an idea on paper mm. i think we spent a good 8 10 months building out something to a functional level where we were able to prove that we were able to create technology that like this part of the world has not been able to create or managed to do so yet and uh, i think by then it was a team of about 5 or 6 of us and that's when some of the early conversations regarding funding and all of that started that's and, that's cool yeah that's quite impressive to really produce something something tangible to showcase as your work uh, rather than just speaking yeah. uh, just on paper Okay. Do you see that as a common uh, practice? A lot of people are uh, just pitching on paper without doing something tangible. Do you think that is a common practice, or people are really producing some work before meeting the investors? I think we see both of it happening. A lot of interesting companies doing things, able to validate. I think companies in the service space, right? You are able to generate revenue and show some sort of uh, trajectory a little faster, hmm. but companies. invested in r&d or spending time or a few years creating technology it's a little harder to your 
pitching something the scale of which the growth or whatever starts say four years from that point in time and four years is a long time for someone from the finance world to yeah, yeah. juggle the various variables with them uh, what oh, was sorry. the sorry uh, uh, yani raj please continue no so i was just saying that to another way of looking at it is that rather than show an idea on paper and saying that i have the ability to execute this the other format that what we have seen works and what we have understood works is that i am doing this i've already validated x y and z as part of my larger vision and if you are interested in being a part of this just let us know and for the other person the perspective changes because here are a bunch of people who don't have money don't have all the resources in the world and they've already solved most of the, some of these problems or most of these problems and i would not have expected someone without all of those resources to have reached this stage yeah. which means that there is something special or extra that these guys have of bringing to the table which frankly i would not be able to do myself mm. and which is why here's my money so that's the difference between okay here's something on paper versus here's something it's already validated to some level yeah that's when you actually witness a group of people extremely passionate and they seem convicted with the idea and that's what yeah. i think you both definitely were showcasing then what was the very first uh, functional prototype that you guys created oh you've had so many I, <laughs> yeah i think i we've built various kinds of motorcycles especially at ultraviolet so our first prototype was actually a motorcycle way back in 2016 or early 2016 where so we were was... clear then that the largest unknown at that point is around the battery tech Hmm. So our focus with the first prototype wasn't around is it the best handling motorcycle is it the fastest motorcycle or any of those let's create the best batteries that the world has seen that's that was our starting point and the motorcycle was more of a means to demonstrate our abilities on the battery understanding right. front mm-hmm. and then of course moving along everything came together pretty well and so at each stage we were solving different problems whatever was the highest priority at that point it wasn't how the vehicle was handling or it wasn't how the vehicle was how it appeared aesthetically it was just that do the batteries work can they deliver this kind of basic performance mm-hmm. yeah uh, you both are in your early 30s and you and you guys are already handling a team and building a company and it's not a easy uh, thing for a youngster if if i were to put it typically you 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 would look at a 9 to 5 guy he has a conventional career path and you know, he pretty much listens to you know instructions given by the manager or higher up and he pretty much is a follower now you guys have to really cast a vision really uh, build a company lead a team of people these are skill sets which was not something which you probably signed up for in the beginning because your core strength was design your core strength was the technology aspects how are you dealing with these other skill sets especially working with a team which is super important in a startup space so how are you guys dealing with that yeah i think what is most beneficial here is the fact that we are super hands on and we are highly involved with the product development hmm. we have seen a lot of miscommunication happen in various other instances where it's a typical manager mba person trying to lead a technical team where things don't go as per plan so i think that really helps us the way we have been functioning 
is we are not managers we are as much involved in the product as the other 50 people in the company mm. are and no different there so i think even when it comes to managing a team there needs to be a certain level of respect that goes both ways right for the person who's working on it as well as the person whom they are reporting to and that respect comes out of actual technical skill out of ability and they understand that you unfortunately have to take the hard decisions and that happens over a period of time and while the decision may not work for everyone or may help only a few people the decision is taken in the best interest of the company and so what typically happens over time is that as the company is built out we also have a team of very other strong individuals who are capable of taking such decisions so it's never only just both of us that are taking these decisions about the team about hiring about recruitment about policy matters by enforcing that the requirement is that you come with a very high level of skill we attract the same kind of talent we attract people who are i would say the top 1% or the top 1% and they are really good at what they do mm. and that helps build the company and they refer more people and this loop continues and that's what a company is it's not just a group of individuals anymore it's a it's a set of beliefs it's a set of it's a style of working it's a culture that is built that that rewards high performers mm. right so all of these things which are intangible and it's never been put on paper it's never been taught to any of us before but it's the way that we behave every single day mm. that sort of builds that momentum and builds a company and frankly no one ever taught us any of these things but i think some of the same applies to most people in the company as well mm. who worked in a traditional company in the past joined us and i think in their previous roles the responsibility might be restricted to one particular thing but here there's a lot lot of cross disciplinary work that goes on mm. where you have to be proactive to figure out ways to solve problems and mm. which might go outside of your knowledge sphere or domain mm. and yeah i think everyone is equally enthusiastic about But, you know holding on to the initial idea and, uh, and then yeah, it's been good great yeah okay what has been the biggest accelerator for your company like what what really gave a boost in the journey of building ultraviolet i think there have been several such instances along the way from investors coming on board to very key critical team members joining us hmm. and each of those has either brought in a significant set of resources or a new set of skills and that typically you can think of it the company is moving in one direction and suddenly now you have a very strong individual who comes with a new area of expertise and so you can solve a whole new set of problems which earlier you did not think was possible in the short time frame mm. right or you have the ability to now execute at a much faster level you can throw more resources at it mm. so there have been several such instances and it usually has to do with resources and uh, very strong individuals mm. but of course on the product side we have to be very open minded also hmm. and i i think this is something that we could point out that your first idea need not always be the best hmm. it could be the best starting point for sure but then i think it's important to stay open minded in our product development cycles also our understanding kept developing our understanding on how technology is evolving hmm. on how markets are changing how policies are the landscape of the whole policy is also going to change in the future so as all of this sort of evolves 
some of it might need to reflect in your in the way you're designing your product or service as well hmm. and uh, yeah so we've had to do this a few times where we've had to take a couple of steps back hmm. and change trajectory a little bit could be on examples i could give are maybe component selection hmm. going into some of the electronic components or maybe the type of chemistry you want to work with hmm. on the battery technology or features on the vehicle that you want to put out as your first uh, flagship product so a lot of these have kept happening and i think it's been a good thing that both of us are open minded and i think everyone understands that this is an early market early because you might have invested this in general a lot of and time or the best product idea. possible and at a certain point it might not be your fault back and forth in the so certain so, other circumstances yeah. have changed so and you might have to we can't be too rigid about holding on to the initial idea itself. and then yeah. being, that's where open minded becomes too difficult uh, to really adapt to the changing times that's what yes. you you're trying yes. to say and okay at some points you've put in several months of work and you probably have to write off all of that and this is not just for us this has happened for our team members where yeah. you are slightly emotionally vested in something that you've done you've spent time building and now you have to erase all of that and start over that's a big decision right yeah. so so not always but there could be and there have been on our side instances where that has happened and we have had to you know adapt yeah. accordingly how how do you deal with something like that where as uh, you know neeraj mentioned you are emotionally so invested in that idea i i think it's not easy to just let go how do you really process that so it takes time <laughs> it takes time right and so you have to be able to step out of your own shoes mm. and look at things objectively that what you, what you've done is interesting great and all of that but it just doesn't fit with the reality of the situation some reason it no longer matches with what initial assumptions you had in mind mm. it whether it's the market or whether it's the product or whether it's the features what users want and uh, so are you going to continue along this path where you've realized there's some like something fundamental has to change and which could add further risk or are you going to take a step back and fix this problem mm-hmm. right so if you look at it more objectively that way and describe it ob- objectively that way and it usually requires a lot of back and forth it doesn't happen i woke up one day and you know <laughs> said that this ain't working out kind of thing mm. we have had several arguments and fights as to i would not say fight in a negative way more constructively yeah but yeah not just the two of us several people who have the right expertise uh, to deal with the problem we're talking about hmm. so it's about getting all the opinions looking at things objectively and figuring out and i think by that point everyone understands that oh yeah that's that's what's required mm-hmm. and so you bring the focus back to the big picture that we're trying to produce something which has to go out in the market uh, rather than just getting stuck with this very idea which cannot be altered or not yeah mm. or you want to avoid a problem that maybe could take two months to solve now mm. versus if you went ahead without solving it could mushroom into a larger problem mm. later on so those Absolutely. are also instances where we have to weigh in the mm. advantages of spending some extra time and effort on redoing something yeah and i think the other thing here is that what also happens is sometimes you there's a when you're so vested in doing something right what you don't realize that when you step out of it there is a larger objective that you're trying to solve and if no one's ever done that before or no one's ever solved that problem before 
and you are attempting it for the first time without mm-hmm. having all of the information there is likely to be uh course corrections required along the way yeah you have to be strong enough to take those make those decisions mm-hmm. right and everyone realizes that no one's ever told you the answer here you're operating with that much information only mm-hmm. right so yes you have to deal with the fact now all right just shifting gears a little bit i wanted to ask about f77 uh, now this is your the ultimate machine which is coming out we're waiting on the launch uh, maybe next year sometime yes yes yeah. so we're talking about the commercial availability in the uh, mid of next year that's what we're working towards a lot of what we're doing actually is on that front itself right there are so many factors related to covid and what not which is affecting the rest of the world not just us yeah. but yeah that's the target that we're working with so f77 uh, is such a super premium product in itself and i i think it's a product which has to be which is for the world market it's not specifically india so why have you chosen to actually release it first in india or just focus on india first uh, then for the world because there are markets out there which is pretty much ready they have the infrastructure they have everything if you really choose to launch so sure. why india first i think the world is a globalized place now right it is no longer about something comes to the west and then comes to india that notion has changed it used to be that way earlier if you look at the most recent iphone launch the iphone 12 is being released in the us and it's available right now in india as well whether it's the iphone pros the minis the pro max and whatever it is and we are operating with a belief that things will become global and the starting point is more of what is uh, uh, easier to do for the company with lower number of variables but the objective is that what we're building actually is beyond just india it is meant for the world it's just a starting point i think if you look back in time 10 years from now then you would see ultraviolet in every place around the world and you won't even notice that it started just here right here in bangalore naran you were saying something no saying in india it's such a when it comes to motorcycle specifically it's such a emotional experience right from the time we've been in schools we've had posters of bikes that we aspire to own and yeah i think a lot of instances some of those childhood memories of the coolest bike that you want to ride are still the strongest and uh, so the other aspect is just that i think both of us are from grew up in bangalore we understand that emotion and we also want to accelerate the adoption of evs in india right so say for instance certain parts of the western or the eastern world there's a lot of transition that's already happened when it comes to electric vehicles so it might be more of a mindset as to i want to be environment friendly in some parts of the world in some other parts it's more of a policy or a government push that's made it happen but it's happened and here the way to make it happen is to make them sexy and desirable whether it's a i don't know like a high school bicycle that you bought or the first motorcycle that your parents partly funded you and your first job helped you cover the rest of the payment it's it's a highly emotional personalized choice that you make right and people are today in urban india or i wouldn't even say urban india in most parts of india making that choice when it comes to smart gadgets and technology what is the phone that i want to own hmm. it has to reflect my personality what is the sort of 
other supporting devices in my electronic ecosystem that I want to own. And uh, why not bring the same sort of thing to vehicle, electric vehicles specifically? Hmm. And I think this desirability is something that we have strongly worked on factoring in. And yeah, like Neeraj mentioned, that applies strongly to India. But that's going to be a more stronger proposition when it comes to the rest of the world as a complete package. Yeah, I think it's just a stunningly beautiful product, F77. I think that I, if you are a bike enthusiast and if you actually have a look at this bike, there is no two ways that you'll have any thoughts. It's, it definitely commands style and respect and it is. it definitely speaks a lot about what power it can deliver. The, at least by the look of it, it commands that. So in times to come, I think we definitely will hear uh, more reviews about how people feel about the bike. I So I heard that you mentioned when asked the question, should people, uh, like about education, that the idea of should they really finish their education or if they are really passionate about an idea, just quit college and jump into their idea. But you said strongly that, hey, finish your education first. Why was that? Like, why did you feel so strongly about that? I would say it depends on the idea. If it's something in a very competitive space and you have a small advantage or a small period of time as an advantage and you're sure it's going to be the next big thing, then yes, it makes sense to suspend what you're doing currently and go full-fledged into that. But if not, if you look at most successful companies and people across the world, it's a very small percentage that we romanticize and say, he's a dropout and he made it big, right? So... It's easier to be fascinated about it. It makes for a great story to talk about. But in all practical senses, that is just a handful of companies that you can count and say, this was, it was the right time and place for that person to take that call. I think we've seen a fair few of this in the whole internet generation where people have an inkling of what is going to work and there are multiple people working on it and I better be the first one to make it happen. Yep, and... Yeah, and I think in terms of education, it's not just about, okay, that you have some fundamental, it depends on where you're getting that education, what kind of education, all of that. It's debatable as to how much it really helps, etc. in the real world. But even all of that aside, there is a certain credibility that is associated with completion of certain milestones in, in life, right? Whether that comes from our society itself, right? The respects that you are an engineer or you have done your master's or you have a business degree, right? And as you start dealing with the world outside where you have to, you're working with societal norms, right? You are walking into a bank or you're walking into an investor's office and there is a certain level of respect that is and credibility that is given to your background. And despite how much you learned or you didn't learn, that sheet of paper has some meaning. And for a long time, I did not respect that. Right. So frankly, for example, I have an MBA degree and I did not find that I learned so much in that degree. But the fa very fact that other people think that it means something means, yeah, it does mean something. Right. So, yeah, as long as we are living in a status driven society where these credentials actually gives you an entry or you get a, you get to be heard. So why not play the system accordingly? That's what you're saying. Yeah, but weigh, weigh in the opportunity cost as well. If you think you're the best person to solve a particular problem, regardless of what your background is, and if it's a competitive space and time is of essence, then yeah, for sure. 
but if it is just another case of i'm frustrated should i just try this out try that out then maybe it's better to invest those two three more years finish what you're doing give yourself some more time to you know let ideas marinate and see what you want to work and i think to add to that the idea of working in a large company also helps right that i've seen a lot of investors also talk about this where they say that if you've actually gone through the grind of not even working in a large company but working in a sort of service oriented economy where you're doing the most mundane thing out there just to have make ends meet and then if you spend time in a larger company where you're part of this larger where you're a cog in a larger system and you realize the processes that are there and keeping up the company all of those experiences help and if you don't have such a strong idea it makes sense to go through all of these and learn from each of those experiences because you will see what's not working there and what you would rather fix at a later point yeah i think those are some interesting points you brought in it's as you guys rightly stated sometimes the idea of i, I just dropped out i pursued my careful idea the or the next million just dollar driven idea by what we see here seems like a great story that's a minority some got to be doing something that's true see and, and even those really successful people they didn't mess around and quit college and then come up with a great idea they were already convinced that this is the next big thing i think which is a difference of mindset also a lot of people think okay let me just quit and then figure out what to do <laughs> in which case it's a <laughs> problem All right. So now I'm going to just ask uh, some questions uh, uh, individually to you, and then maybe I- I'll take turns. We'll start with, yeah, Narayan. What is something most people do not know about you? Not know about me. Um, maybe I should ask this question to your friend, and then <laughs> he may yeah. tell me something about you. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm a pretty open person. I I don't know what the answer to that is, frankly. like you you saying that uh, everybody knows everything about you in general not necessarily <laughs> but i don't go out of my way to hide a different personality somewhere within so i'm ge- <laughs> I, i'm hearing a wicked laugh from neeraj <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe he can contribute no there are so many things that as an individual you don't realize about yourself so as other people work with you they realize it so oh. yeah so what's something about arayan that you you think the world does not know no i think this applies not just to narayan but to other designers as well so the rest of the world usually thinks of very creative people as coming up with their creative ideas without any structure this is a very technical answer but it applies to your question right so what i've noticed is that spending time with narayan and the design team is that they have a strong method to that madness that appears that okay you see the bike it's so beautiful it's amazing there is a strong emotional reaction you have to the bike when you see it but the way that they've designed it is not just you know doodling and doing random things they have planned every single curve every single line every aspect of it and as an engineer if you are typically used to your standard structures of designing something that is not you will not be able to comprehend that right like in an engineering program you would never have been told that like a particular type of car like a lamborghini or some car evokes a certain kind of reaction right you see it's aggressive you see it's it's sporty it's aggressive but when you look at let's say another car a bentley right you get a sense that it's sophisticated and and all of that has been intentionally created that to give you that perception and the designers have worked on that and i've seen narayan and the team work on these parts right 
and frankly that is not known to the rest of the world they people don't realize how thorough that process is and things like that. but yeah I, I, and frankly even the designers don't even explain this sometimes <laughs> it's just that by poking around and sitting around with them that you get some sense of this that's interesting man narayan did you hear is no think in that perspective as he he did right now that's interesting man yeah he's right so not all of it is just a shot in the dark or a random idea that fell upon there's a strong uh, logic behind how things evolve I love the technical answer because I before having this conversation with you guys I called another friend of mine who uh, she's also a designer and then I just asked her hey I have this uh, call with these guys today and is there any interesting designer based question that I should ask them and then she said you may have this thought that designers like I asked the question these people who come with these sketches and these artistic things do they have this moment of inspiration and they just they are in the shower and suddenly they just have this idea they go and draw this stuff then she says you know what there is a method to their madness and the same way as neeraj mentioned they really have a yeah. framework of operating and they really uh, work with those mental models just not it's not just some random stuff so yeah. that that's interesting when i heard that as an answer from neeraj so what's something about neeraj uh, that people do not know about i think a lot of people are aware of his uh... technical inclinations yeah but he is into a lot of things in his free time i think he barely sleeps 5 hours a day <laughs> and i think work takes up about what 14 15 hours and he manages to squeeze in the remaining a uh, few hours into a lot of offbeat activities and does a lot of reading on like random varied subjects that over the next lunch conversation we going to have a good time like one day he comes and says i spent 3 hours last night listening to this podcast of a fbi negotiator ah. like a hostage negotiator <laughs> and then he's picked up like so many small things from there that actually makes sense in how you deal with daily life situations as well wow, and yeah so he he picks up a lot of these really cool nuggets yeah rather frequently i must say <laughs> one day it could be like a hostage negotiating thing next day it could be like a poker strategy but how that could be implemented in technology development <laughs> <laughs> i saw the tweet about he reading a book you know where uh, he is picking up these cues about uh, a poker game i think yeah neeraj you want to say about something about that yeah so that is actually quite interesting i so the way that i've been operating the last couple of years is to find people who have done something extreme in their own field and to go and try to understand what they've done so if it's a hostage negotiator is there something that i can learn from that situation that i could use in a commercial discussion and it actually helps frankly really it does and whether it's poker or business or technology breakthroughs usually come when you've taken a concept that is known in another field and you try and use it in another place where it has never been used before and that frankly has worked for me so many times that it's a no brainer for me to just read about a diverse set of things and just keep reading most of the time that information is of no use but one day so along the way something useful comes up so but i think subconsciously it builds up into a larger uh, uh, the resource to fall back on 
Yeah, it stays in your mental library and at some moment, unconsciously, it just uh, comes as an information in, a con- in the context of some conversation. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we see a master negotiator in action then. <laughs> this question is for both of you. Anybody can answer. So maybe what's the whole something uh, idea you was, believe maybe. that others find it crazy? That's a very technical perspective, but uh, I think at all. No, I think the very notion that you have to work or build something that, you know, you take up an employment, for example, right? And that is the only way forward in life to build what is on your mind, what is of interest to you, what you would really rather be doing. And that to break out of that notion was a big deal for me, frankly, right? To see that it is unlikely that I would ever go back to a regular job because I know that there's this other side, this other way to accomplish what I would want to be doing. And I would say that 95%, 99% of the adults that I know would not be comfortable with that belief, right? That you can step out of these boundaries that society has drawn for you and accomplish something that is of interest to you that may or may not be of interest to other people. And that is a strange revelation to me over and over that's happened over the years. But I think it's it works for me. That's, that's, that's fascinating, man. Narayan, you were saying something. I think uh, the other idea that you need to do something like take a holiday or do something to uh, unwind. For me, I think it's gotten so immersed in work that doing something interesting or solving a problem that I haven't had time to in the last week or doing something like that is very refreshing. And uh, yeah, so I think maybe this answers your previous question also about something that others might not know. Is after a good one, two hours of playing some sports or doing something, I'm mentally at another level. So I think that's when I'm at my mentally most efficient peak. I might be physically tired, but I can just sit and work for or do something interesting for the next few hours and. That's work. That still works for me. So. so the idea that you are back to your game and really thinking and planning and designing, which seems work to the world, you uh, are actually having a ball yeah. in that space. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really interesting. By the way, just to give context to my listeners, we are having this conversation maybe 30 minutes past midnight. Rose <laughs> 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 was talking so, to me last week about when we can catch up. I was like, and he's like, AM? I'm like, no, PM. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was PM and then you said AM. Ah, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So, yeah, so the, uh, these guys are really hardcore with what they're speaking. They're really living the message. What is something that you guys have changed your mind about in the recent past? Something that you had been believing for so long, but now it doesn't hold good anymore. Like you completely have a different perspective. Okay, I think there are so many... So many things we can talk about from technical ideas to uh, more fundamental beliefs about people, about whom we want to work with, right? About investors, about so many aspects of it. So one of the things that we have realized, especially, and this happens when you have hundreds of conversations with people, right? 
and uh, most of those conversations result in nothing substantial right and you build the ability to read through people quickly right and not want to waste two hours of your time <laughs> having random conversations but rather get to the qu- point quickly and try to see if there is value from the other end as well and initially at least i would go out of my way to understand everyone in detail spend time with people but now my belief has changed so i am able to with my questions or my conversations judge people which you have to do when you have limited time so that i can get back to what i want to do we don't end up wasting time with with hundreds of people anymore it's a strange answer but i guess in my mind the way that i view people the way that i view the world the way that i have conversations has changed over the last 4 years that's an interesting answer uh, neeraj uh, the fact that now you actually have shifted your mind from a, a, a people pleaser where you would be just accommodating everybody you're really filtering through the uh, the lens of your, your time is premium now so you really do not want to be wasting that that's a good shift okay yanarain yeah like several things but i think mainly being more uh, i'd say the ability to understand another perspective and knowing that in a conversation even if you're driving something that there might be several interesting things that could come out of it and being perceptive to pick out a few of those that might actually be beneficial in whatever you're discussing or could go a longer way in solving a certain problem that you thought of in a different way but now you've got a fresh new perspective to it altogether are you telling that earlier it was too hard for you to let go of your own perspective to even accommodate someone else's perspective and now that has changed not in terms of work but hmm. in not in terms of uh, creative work or this thing but i think in other aspects of life for sure <laughs> that yeah that's okay. interesting yeah and i think uh, unfortunately our educational system right when you are at your creative best or your where your absorption level of information is at its peak when you're growing up say you're from your 3 to 14 15 years old whatever that period is a lot of what you observe or see is not fact and it takes a lot of instances in life to figure out that those might have been misconceptions and unfortunately he's got dragged into that line of thought and maybe now yeah so some people are being are open minded to see it in a different way to see things in a different way some people maybe don't do that but but yeah that is another area where being open minded for sure has helped in keeping things fluid a lot of unlearning has to happen uh, really to for sure what you learn in history what you learn in whatever half of the stuff you learn in school is very less said the better but i think you know what i'm talking no, so about i think just to add to what naren said the facts may be right right you learned something in a textbook but the way in which you were taught the way in which you were consumed the information the way in which society has drawn boundaries for you the way in which you have been told that the world is meant to work all of those things are based on some preconceived notion by your parents or by your school or all of those things and 
none of those things may be true actually so moving on to the next question i think the uh, the 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 points that you guys both mentioned i know there were so many other dimensions we could go in but i'm not going to go because that could be relationships that could be running a company there there are so many aspects to it but yeah but those were some interesting take on how your perspectives have changed about something what's the best advice that you have ever received it could be fitness it could be relationship it could be life it could be like anything so uh, you can share what's the best advice you received i think okay i'll go first here <laughs> so i have always been a workaholic and that is the context in which what what that means is that i don't take any time out of work i don't relax i don't mentally i'm operating at 100% at all times what has happened is i hang around with narayan and i notice how much time he spends on sports or working out or things like that and after that he actually thinks better so i started to notice that his thinking is clearer than mine because i am exhausted been running at 100% all day and he actually worked out and came back and he is operating his even though he, at, before the workout he was in the same state that i was after the workout he is in a better state so it made me realize that the your mind and your body can't be operating at two different you know one is operating at 100% other one is at some 20% barely just making it work right and so i started to work out because of that i started to spend more time thinking about fitness thinking about what kind of training that i want i wouldn't even call it working out i would call it more of training of sorts where the body is trained in terms of strength in terms of endurance and i think that has tremendously helped me in my thinking as well i'm calmer as a person i'm able to think more clearly and that has to do with just hanging around now wow that's interesting man that's Wow, Narayan, you have influenced him at another level now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he he was not into sports, but now he's got a lot of fitness equipment at home. I think mm-hmm. over the last one year, you've set up like a full-fledged gym at home. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, let's hear from you, Narayan. What's, what's the advice which comes to your mind? In terms of um, advice, I... bunch of things maybe i could talk about early in life and then late what maybe applies now sure i think early on in life it was dad saying genius is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration and he would repeat that like a lot of times maybe initially i laughed it off or didn't really matter because i was what in uh, junior school or whatever but over time it slowly started to make sense that basically hard work really pays off and no matter what you do and now i have different opinions on um, edison but that is <laughs> another uh, matter altogether but but yeah that was then and uh, right now i'd say i've started uh, doing a little bit of what neeraj was talking about in terms of looking at other avenues looking at things and so i generally find anything creative or quirky interesting but now there are a few things that i might spend a little more time and effort getting into a little more detail to understand better and for example for example maybe through a lot of our conversations now i'm more perceptive or more inquisitive about how multiple factors are cross linked right 
it could be right from how your stock market is going to behave based on some political incident that happened in taiwan or some us policy towards taiwan that changes out an industry that has a butterfly effect on or a cascading effect on something which you might otherwise think is totally disconnected but has a strong logic or rationale behind it so i've sort of become perceptive to a lot of these things and find it an area that i wasn't very keen on but now it's progressively getting quite interesting for me and and uh, whom do you attribute that that to no that's most of our conversations that we both do in our lunch break and <laughs> <laughs> okay who are some of the people uh, it could be the current times or it could be from the past uh, who exemplify best in design or technology whom you guys really admire or look up to i'd say for me it's not just one person or one ideology it's usually patterns that happen from different companies or different periods of time whether it is we look at apple and as a company as like apple how different philosophies of the founders have come in from the strong technical side to the humanitarian side to the design sense to the aesthetic to the kind of you know engineering that goes in right and then if you look to the other side companies like google or companies like microsoft and i think what excites me personally is not a particular individual but a way of thinking right and there's this very uh, famous book there are a bunch of books by this author walter isaacson who talks about different biographies of steve jobs and all but the most interesting one to me was the one called innovators and it was about it was always about a group of people so one thing that walter isaacson for for example realized was while he was writing all of these biographies of people it was never usually one person that made such a large breakthrough it would usually be a group of people it would usually be a way of working so if you if that book is still interesting and exciting to me because it shows over a period of 200 or 300 years that a certain idea will make it into reality irrespective of what factors are going against it like someone wanted to invent a gui or a mouse right there would be three different people at three different points of time 20 years apart trying to make that happen and one of them or two of them would fail but the third attempt somewhere unrelated it would succeed and it was a definitely a combination of factors that made some idea succeed but when the time has come and the idea will succeed so it was very interesting that it had less to do with personalities and people it was more about how all of these factors came together and that is something that i see today as being more critical than one person's thinking right like you have a brilliant idea it doesn't mean it's going to work it needs a whole lot of other factors to make it work that's an interesting answer man i that really is a perspective shift rather than uh, just looking at uh, people it's just looking at ideas and the trends and fascinating cool so that book actually blew my mind i never it's a nice thick dense book like in terms of the volume of content but i could not put that book down it was it i just could not put it down for days together till i finished it and it blew my mind and i've read all of his of his other books on benjamin franklin and steve jobs and all of that and none of those had that notion since then i just my belief system has changed slightly no i totally agree and i think this is what i was talking about as well of how how so many factors are 
responsible for something changing and yeah so i think lot of my conversations with neeraj in our free time or are on these lines so we're not we might not be talking about company work but it's something hypothetical or something that happened in the past and he would have come across something interesting and i think now i've started to find a lot of that more and more interesting to get into and again history can be so enriching if it's put forth in the right way <laughs> was the only subject i avoided in school but no absolutely so this is again another change in perspective for me i hated history in school the world was to just remember dates and events yeah right not why something happened what was the context right now i actually enjoy reading history i want to learn from all of the previous mistakes that have been made and that which continue to be made yeah opens up so much argument what if something had happened differently and yeah, yeah. yeah this is unending it could be technology related could be political it could be around the various wars that have happened of multiple conspiracy theories so all of this is super interesting to sort of spend time on i have spent so much time on history that now i end up looking for alternative versions so what typically has happened is that usually history is told by the people who are victorious or whose idea propagated so you hear only one side of it and very rarely is there literature on the other side and so i go digging up things like that now which i could not like if you told like the version of me that was in 10th standard that i would be doing this there would be no <laughs> way that guy would believe it <laughs> yeah yeah so history uh, yeah could be a narrative of a certain author and his perspective of what was the context of that moment and when you really take a completely different standpoint then you start connecting the dots and seeing history completely differently yeah, right yeah, in a, in yeah, a more holistic right. way yeah i think yeah. Uh, sapiens uh, is one of those books i think which really puts a good perspective on the human evolution have have you guys read that yes yes absolutely yeah that's a great book actually i think there are a bunch of other similar books that i write which come together in different uh, ways which i'm not able to get the names right now but those also captured a lot of evolution a lot of the last 500 years or 1000 years of history right but yes definitely that's one of those interesting books that has come out in the last i think couple of years i want to ask any interesting uh, documentaries or videos or movies uh, which you have highly enjoyed or anything which comes to mind anything you want to share i think sir, i particularly spend a lot of time what like what neeraj was talking about alternate hypothetical conspiracy theories so not really from the point of view of thinking what actually is presented to you as false but maybe looking at things from a different perspective of what if something was different and then i enjoy things like so there is i cannot maybe pick out one source but this is something i spend time on just losing myself into that space and i think in terms of a movie nothing of late but maybe a decade or so back one movie that really inspired me was gataka so it is about it's got nothing to do with technology the whole background context is about going to space which was already a fascinating thing at that point but i think what really interested me are the emotions that the characters sort of felt well, a couple of particular scenes that i could maybe 
point to but or or if someone wants to watch that movie they probably know that one turning point that happens okay i haven't seen the movie so i i really wouldn't know but okay sure yeah, yeah. great actors even mcgregor umar thurman and um mm-hmm. forget who the other person was okay neeraj anything any recommendations from you no so i was actually recently watched this movie which is actually a very old movie it's uh, ghost in the shell the original so i think it was made in the 90s and i i didn't even know about this movie the newer one had come out but a certain uh, friend actually told me to go watch this and it actually blew my mind so this is a movie that was probably made in 95 or released in 95 and it has a lot of the concepts that we are talking about in machine learning and artificial intelligence today wow and ideas that are on the cutting edge of even those fields <laughs> right you're talking about consciousness in ai and things like that and there's a movie about it from 1995 <laughs> right and it just blew my mind and you're yeah, saying like a like a black mirror that was done 20 years back yes yeah it's a must watch if anyone is interested in science fiction or you know technology in general so that's for sure have you seen the movie ex machina Oh yes yeah. I have seen that what do you guys feel yeah. about that I yeah with I, I, that was also like a science fiction thriller kind of thing so yes I did definitely enjoy that movie right yeah it's along the same lines I would think yes yeah it's fascinating to see I think we are eventually going to witness these kind of technologies in, in the times to come it's just a matter of time if, if you're really thinking about it it is a ma- people can produce it maybe uh, things have to be available I guess no if enough resources and human intellect is thrown at it, it i think it, it will come to life so i do realize so both of you read uh, stuff uh, do you read specifically books are there any specific books which have been impactful in in the way you look at life any anything that you would like to share wow there are lots of books i'll have to uh, start thinking about the most impactful ones okay Narayan, while you think of something, I'm looking at my bookshelf. <laughs> I think a lot, lot of our consumption now is on the internet. But then I think through college and a lot of my reading used to happen during travel. And I think until say 2009 or 10, a lot of our travel was on the train. Air travel wasn't really uh, economical at that point or then yet i spent a lot of time hours together on the train reading and a lot of it used to be fiction and uh, i think i always enjoyed an alternate version of what's happened and yeah like the movie inglorious bastards i thoroughly enjoyed it you gives a different perspective of how a small variable could have totally changed the course of history one way or the other so you have you were into fiction books then Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any anything yeah. any specific book that you enjoyed then which you can recollect? A lot. Uh I there was a phase where it was more around thrillers. There was another phase where it was around alternate versions of what happened during World Wars 1 and 2. There was a phase where it was around say your Ludlum and Jeffrey Archer which was political conspiracy related theories and Yeah so the different phases for me and i think now reading has definitely come down it's more of work and online consumption of information 
So do you read any specific blogs or, or do you have any favorite go-to place where you read online? No, I wouldn't say something that I specifically go to, but, okay. but there are several, yeah, a lot of time that I spend consuming different sorts of thing, okay. things in different terms. Okay, looks like Neeraj is having a list for me. I'm just waiting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, books. I had to think of just one book. There was a, a very interesting book that uh, I picked up. It is called Finite and Infinite Games. This is a very meta kind of book. It is just about how you can view life as a series of sort of finite games or a larger infinite game. And it's it just, I don't know how to describe this book, frankly, but it did blow my mind. That's all I can say. Because if you put most of the decisions that you've taken in in certain situations in life through the lens of what you read later on at some point, you start to realize that the good decisions and the poor ones, there's a pattern, right? And that is one book that I found very fascinating in the way that it lets you think about the future and how your decision-making can improve. So this is neither history, this is not science fiction, this is just about the process of thinking itself and how you can view uh, life and as a series of decisions and how you can sort of optimize it. So it's, it was actually, it, it, it was a very strange book for me to pick up, but it was quite fascinating and interesting. Who's the author for the book? I think it's someone called uh, James Cars. Okay. okay. C- James, C-A-R-S-E. So finite and infinite games. Okay, cool. So while, while you're talking about this, I, it just struck me that a uh, couple of other mediums that I think is really we underestimate the thought that has gone into it is the entire Calvin Hobbes series and the Simpsons cartoon. You can, you have one takeaway from it when you're 12 years old, you look at it with a whole new perspective when you're 15. And right now, if you were to watch it again, you'll understand it in a completely different way. There's so many layers to how intellectually sound these two are. That's interesting, man. Okay. So that's the same material, different stages of our life. We have different takeaways. Yes. Okay. That's interesting answer. Mm. Simpsons for sure is very rich in, and (laughs) I think freakishly good with predicting the future also. (laughs) (laughs) True, man. Okay. I have maybe three more questions and then I'm going to let you go and work with your next project, (laughs) whatever you guys are doing. What has been your worst day in uh, working with the startup in Ultraviolet and or, or maybe previously? Looking back, you could probably make it as your maybe favorite failure because it added up to something more useful later. But that day, it was the worst day. Is, is there anything which comes to memory? Again, there have been so many moments, low moments. I think we don't talk about that usually. Yeah, It's something that, so the other thing is that there are so many other people dependent on us, right, in the company, etc. That we have to mask some of these emotions, right, that we are super stressed or that there is certain external dependencies that we have, which we have no control over. And sometimes things don't work out the way that we want to, want it to, right. At the same time, we are going through some of this and 
we are to there have have been many such our own team and, and narayan is so we don't be more optimistic talk about this ever it was just so a day that we had always have this feeling that we are completely doomed <laughs> narayan's like things will work out just go and take a break but there have been so many such moments where it feels like there it can't get any worse right you're at the absolute bottom and i guess one way to think about it that when during such instances is that the only way out of that is up right so you have hit rock bottom yeah yeah uh, yeah but i can't i don't want to take a particular instance uh, in time but it's part of building part of i think entrepreneurship it's part of trying to do something by yourself trying to do something that no one has done before or very few people have attempted mm-hmm. there are lots of bad days get used to it <laughs> narayan you want to reveal something <laughs> I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. Okay. No. Yeah, but I think the what you need to learn is that there might be one avenue that's going south, but that cannot influence the twenty other things that you have to do. Yeah, Because but say you have twenty a bunch of activities in a day. A certain part of something going wrong cannot have a negative impact on the rest of the thing, right? So, I think. the initial hard bit might be to reallocate your mind space towards something else put this aside and maybe get back to it later and solve the problem yeah so when i was asking this question if there has been any show stopper moments where you felt this is going to really we we come to the <laughs> bottom most the point and we do not see any light at the end of the tunnel and then now when you look back you guys actually pulled through and uh, the reason is i think sometimes it is important to really also tell the world that or or even to your team they need to know that you are dealing with challenging times it's not always all positive and all great i think it's it's very reassuring for people to know that it, it is a difficult phase that you're dealing with absolutely i think but see the thing is also that not everyone is willing or interested to know how hard it is yeah. you can't go and take your burden and throw it on 200 yeah. people's head right yeah. like it's your problem to deal with mm. it's unfortunate but you are sitting there alone and you have to deal with it and uh, you can't go and give all that emotional baggage to other people yeah. various ways to look at it and while they're working happily and peacefully that's exactly what you want them to be doing mm. right cool do you both you guys are in your early 30s a lot of youth your age spend a lot of time doing fun things maybe they travel the world they go to parties or they are hanging out with girls whatever do you do you feel that fear of missing out like fomo do you have those moments or it it doesn't matter no we're not reclusive of course we do enjoy traveling and socializing and have a very interesting a circle of friends also most of whom are pretty like minded and yeah. crazy people unfortunately though a lot of them are in different parts of the world some of them are in europe some in us so would have been cool if we could catch up on a weekend basis but it's more of an annual thing now mm. but so yeah despite the lack of time what would happen at least till covid started was that we were traveling a lot mm. so there are avenues to find 
interesting experiences whether it's travel or whatever it is so most of the time we would be traveling on work but you still have 4 hours remaining in a day in a random new city and yeah. there are so many things that you can learn and do there right mm-hmm. so yeah we we have we've been fortunate enough to have those experiences also so that's been fun so we've gone random we've done some very crazy things we've gone naran what was that thing called where in thailand we went boarding like boarding, okay. i did not even know that i could possibly <laughs> stand on a board and be dragged along on water but it was we've done some pretty crazy things out there while we are traveling mm-hmm. i'm sure i think when you previously mentioned that you guys are really so involved in your work and you totally enjoy it so i, I don't think the concept of you're missing out something will exist but still yeah. i would just wanted to ask that question yeah no I we i think, I think I we constantly feel like wish a day had more hours yeah, yeah. like i personally <laughs> cannot shake off that feeling it's one of the reasons why i sleep at 3 am and 4 am that's when it feels okay now i have to sleep this day is done i can't get anything more out of this day right and uh, added with your new fitness uh, goal uh, you, i think you are in your your batteries are all optimized right? <laughs> yes very much <laughs> Okay the last question i see narayan being a little bit active on social media he has got a insta presence where he shares his fitness goals and his halloween looks and all that <laughs> uh, whereas neeraj has has a has a line saying that don't follow me on instagram he says so <laughs> to 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 opposite point of view i feel so uh, any thoughts on that depends on whom you're asking <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me start with yeah, uh, narayan so uh, you, you seem to be quite vibrant on your social media and you seem to have a huge uh, attraction there a lot of uh, people follow you there yeah but progressively my time spent on instagram has gone down i think over the last uh, say easily about the last 18 months or so it's progressively gotten more and more busy to you know even think about so i'm pretty active in the creative space if there's anything creative i'm working on i also teach uh teach automobile design i have a bunch of students um, uh, it's a six month program that we run in bangalore and yeah so anything related to extracurricular creative work that i'm doing or some of my students are doing i try to be active i think it's more of trying to promote creative thinking which is what i mean matters more to me at a educational level i think i would i think this i was talking about how i feel about our school educational system and all of that so there's something i think maybe if and when time permits i would try to do something about later on but yeah whatever uh i could in my free time is more along these lines and uh, yeah fitness is more just fun i think it's more of a larger commitment that i have made mentally to i think it scares me when i look at two generations back like our granddad my granddad is 95 and he has and he's super healthy and the only issues he has today maybe are just to do with his age and given how their lifestyles were back then how the environment was back then and if i look at how we are living right now it's it's a super scary thought that's the least i think i could do to just compensate for the other negatives in our daily lives okay yani raj <laughs> so i think it um, talking about social media i think 
different personalities have different ways of going about it so narayan has a lot to share with a lot of people right and a lot of people look up to him for his creative feedback and for his ideas for me what i have found is that i interact better with a fewer number of people on a more detailed idea or a perspective and that typically does not work for me on instagram while photography and used to be a hobby and all of that i did not pursue that to the level where there was something that i have which i can share which is worthy of a lot of people's attention i think those have to do with my thought process with my thinking with the uh, way of working and things like that and frankly i think twitter is most suited to that medium but yeah thoughts if that's possible but yeah i don't really get time to beyond the few 7 or 10 people that i interact with on a daily basis to talk about it to the rest of the world so i guess i'm not an introvert but um, from the outside world it may look that way okay <laughs> uh all right guys i i am almost done with most of the questions that i had i wanted to ask about f77 and uh, i know this whole conversation maybe this could be the first time that we have spent so much time talking about you guys but not the product or the brand and i wanted it that way itself because there's enough information about the product and um, right. your your uh, website's faq really addresses the rest of it yeah so uh, you guys want to share so anything Manoj, about i have a question i have a question for you i listen to a lot of podcasts and so usually the idea of a podcast there is a particular reasoning and a thought process behind starting something right so when you call this rare earth and this is a podcast that you started what is it that you want to accomplish and who are the type of people that you're trying to get to and is there what is your vision for this podcast i'm just curious we, we had a similar discussion <laughs> last week as well oh yeah. okay so uh, so i've been listening to podcast myself for almost a decade now and it's very interesting to really get into the minds of people so just i'm having conversation with you guys it's really diving in understanding how you think about things so i i was always inquisitive about that and a lot of in india when when i start listening to people when they're talking on social media or any space it is at a, such a superficial level that i do not feel any depth in the conversation it looks like mm. uh, why don't somebody ask some more meaningful question something a little more deeper and i had the strong urge for really why don't i why don't i start something and that is how it triggered for me and then rare earth came into existence because i i feel there are a lot of people out there who are doing phenomenally great work but they may not be the most popular ones or the world does not know about them so they are very rare on this planet earth so i combined that and started okay. this podcast yeah that's interesting that's awesome yeah so hopefully end of the day when people listen i think they feel uh, i feel podcast is a very uh, niche market space it's not everybody nobody listens to podcast if you talk to somebody and say podcast they say what's podcast so uh, we are pretty much targeting a very uh, you know selected few people who generally like listening to interesting conversation and i'm okay with that the idea is not to really build a brand out of it but people when they look back and they say okay this guy at least had some interesting conversation with some interesting people so that's the idea sure that sounds quite exciting actually Yeah. Well, and Manoj, I, I really cannot remember the last time I had a two-hour conversation. And Actually, Narayan told me that you know Neeraj is coming on board, and I was really not. <laughs> which, which I had not done any homework to really read about <laughs> Neeraj, but just the fact that you both came in together, pitched in so many ideas, and you both are so well complementing each other. I can just see that in action. There is, 
it's not even like you have to rehearse like one it's like a pitch and catch happening right in front of me so uh, whatever you spoke i think you really spoke from your heart and you guys really are carrying your message there is no two ways about it i'm really convinced that it's not you have to put on a show of a ceo or a cto doing their part but you guys are really are um, driven by your dream i can definitely feel that so happy to have you both on this show likewise glad that it comes through that way and i, I think we are generally transparent people and yeah this was a very yeah. interesting conversation uh yeah i mean uh-huh. we catch up in person and yes yes and i'm definitely going to subscribe to your podcast if it's already out there is like how many episodes are out there already i haven't followed you so already far. five episodes are there awesome awesome okay yeah. good to know i'm going to catch up on the others as well awesome so before before we wind up any closing thoughts uh, you want to speak about ultraviolet uh, automotive or the the launch of the bike i, I know a lot of people love the bike already that they are looking forward to the release uh, so any final updates that you want to share about that i think there's a lot going on internally since our last uh, unveiling in terms of what else we've done to take it a few notches higher in terms of features performance a lot of improvements in things that go a long way in making the whole system more efficient from a user experience and energy perspective and a lot of this i think we will get into more details a little closer to the commercial launch of the vehicle there are definitely a few surprise uh, elements that we have in store and yeah just to add to that i think what has happened over the last uh, several months is that thousands and thousands of people have been reaching out to us so we receive actually hundreds of emails every day and uh, people are really looking forward to what we've been working on and it's not just in india it's whole of europe the americas and we are quite excited that we have this opportunity to build what will be uh, an electric vehicle company of the future and we are witnessing that and being part of that and so every day is a very exciting journey for us and we are just waiting for the day where we can start sharing it with the rest of the world so far we have actually limited how much we have spoken about how much of about the vehicle about the company so the proof of all of this is really in that product and once it's out there i think it is going to kick up quite a storm and uh, the world is really going to change its opinion about electric vehicles so i'm looking forward to that wow i'm sure this is going to be a, a great launch and i i wish you guys the best for it and uh, this conversation was outstandingly good much more Uh, exciting than i thought so thank you to both of you for your time <laughs> i no, i like, really... likewise yeah and wishing you all the best for what you're doing it was a very engaging conversation and yeah i i think it's a super nice initiative of breaking down thoughts by people who have been doing interesting things but thoughts that might inspire a lot of people so i'm looking forward to more conversations that you're going to be having with a lot more people as well Thank you thank you thank you so much yeah yep. I'm already subscribed to your pod- podcast <laughs> so all the all the best Manoj awesome guys thank you Neeraj thank you Narayan thanks so much I hope you enjoyed the show all the key points discussed will be available in the show notes at uh, www.rareearth.com that is r a r e e r t h.com uh, yes there is no a in that 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you really liked and enjoyed the show, please do give me your feedback, review, and rate it on iTunes or any listening app of your choice. Do subscribe and share with your friends. Thank you.